Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. This is episode 1905, and it's part three of a series of shows that we're talking about the history of women's football, legitimizing women's football, and what we need to do and what we can do to grow women's football in the coming years. I'm going to talk about a couple things today because we're getting into February now, and so I wanted to share with that share with you the calendar, where you should be at for your women's football team. We're going to do the part three of that series of where women's football can go. And then I'm going to talk about um, the different things that we need to add to women's football to get there. So again, today is episode 1905. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. And a dis quick disclaimer is I am an attorney licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. None of the information that I provide on this show or any of my digital or print materials on the internet creates an attorney-client relationship, so I am not your attorney. If you have an issue that pertains to a topic uh, that you need to get in contact with an attorney that has experience in that topic, and then they have to be in your jurisdiction, whatever state you live in or where, whatever state the issue is in. With that being said, it has been a crazy two weeks. Actually, last week I did not do an episode. I was actually at uh, my grandfather's 90th reunion in Las Vegas, or 90th birthday slash family reunion in Las Vegas. Um, I am now sick. You can hear that I'm a little congested, so I apologize for that. But I wanted to make sure that I get this content out there to you guys. Um, and then today I go to my daughter's district swim meet. So... It's a busy, busy week for us. Today's Tuesday. This will air on Wednesday. So real quick, before I get into part three of what women's football can be and how it can grow, I want to share with you back, I put together a basic calendar, a basic outline of a calendar for women's football that included February. And individual teams can add anything and everything they want to this basic calendar. But I just put in here kind of what you need to be doing at a minimum um, to be on track. Right now in February, you should be transitioning your pre-season workouts, right? You guys are getting ready. We're getting ready to go. We're getting ready to go. We only have, a, a I think Coach Mike said, 10 weeks left until season starts. So super exciting. It's constantly women's football around here, so... We've been reaching out to other teams um, as directors of team development and just asking them what issues, what things they need, how things are going, etc. And teams seem to be very um, reacting positively to that and have been, it seemed like everybody's getting ready to rock and roll from, from the people I've been in contact with, that is. So I'm super excited about that. So... Preseason workouts need to be turning into regular season workouts. Um, you also need to determine if you need one or two additional tryouts to gain players. So you probably did a bunch of tryouts. We all we all did a bunch of tryouts in October, November, December time. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Um, so we did a bunch of tryouts. We got a bunch of people. And now you're looking at your numbers of the people that are coming to practices. You need to evaluate whether you need to hold a tryout, depending on your numbers. Now, this is individual 
team by team basis. Some teams are rocking. They're still at like 75, 80 players. There's some teams that are already down to, to 18 players, 19 players, 20 players. If you're low on numbers, push for two more tryouts, one or two more tryouts here in this last couple of weeks. Now, you may determine that they're not ready to go in 10 weeks um, to play that first game, but they just might. If they're not, they can always play game two, game three, game four, but they're already getting into the regimen of your organization. Not only do you need to determine whether you need additional players, but you need to get the players that you have focused on team responsibilities. So teams are still just getting into those first uh, few weeks of practices, and sometimes players kind of just walk in nonchalantly and come to one practice every three weeks or one practice a week or one practice every two weeks, whatever it is. So you need to get them regimented again back into that practice mode of being there um, two to three times a week. Some teams practice four times a week. Um, we've always practiced a max of three, um, except for like on bye weeks, I guess. I'm trying to think of any time when we practice more than three, like four or five. Um, yeah, so bye weeks, we might practice a, a fourth time. Um, some teams practice two. Um, I saw the other day where one practices like one on Thursday and then a whole day on Saturday, like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, so I'm not sure how they kind of work out, work that out. I'm guessing that there's a lot of film session inside there because I'm sure they're not working out for eight hours on a Saturday. But with that being said, we want to get those players focused on how the team is going to work. You also want to continue to create some uh, media opportunities. If you haven't really focused on media opportunities, um, you might want to do that at this point. A lot of the teams that are just starting out are first, second, third year teams. Um, you may not want to focus on media yet because you're still building, um, but it is a great opportunity. Not only does it uh, is it fun for the players to get media attention, but also to get that exposure for potential uh, sponsors, for example. You're going to be continuing to set up fundraiser opportunities. So some teams have already gotten, like we're in the beginning of February, some teams have already done two fundraisers. Um, some put it off and, and try to wait until August, or August, April, May, June to do the fundraisers. Um, you need to be doing a couple fundraisers right now. Um, to get ready for the season. And the only other thing that I had on the February list or the February part of the calendar was continuing to vet potential hires and interns. So um, if I would say probably about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, we did kind of an exercise where I had you dream up your potential support staff and put together all the different coaches that you would ideally want to have and all your potential positions you'd like to fill. So I'd be curious to see how you are filling those. Are they being filled very well? If you're having a hard time filling potential hires or potential internships, give me a call. Um, I have an open door policy. Give me a call. And if you're having a hard time getting these interns and 
potential veteran or volunteers hired because they are, you know, most of them come on as unpaid employees or volunteers or interns. If you're having a difficult time getting that, um, go ahead and connect with me and I will share with you two or three secrets that I use to get that um, taken care of and locked in. So um, it is difficult. I will tell you guys that if you have hired vet, I keep wanting to say veterans. If you have hired volunteers or interns and they haven't shown up, it is very, very um, common for this to happen because they're not paid. You know, if it's a if it's a job that needs to be a paid person, then you're going to have to pay the person. If it's a job that's you know one or two hours, it's very minimal. Then getting a volunteer to do it um, may be very easy, but. If you're having trouble with that, feel free to shoot me an email or give me a call and we will talk about that. The other thing that I want to talk about is our part three in our series. I'm going to transition here real quick. So we talked about the history of women's football and how a lot of people in women's football right now do not know how significant the history of women's football is now there's a gentleman um and i don't want to miss say his name rosendahl um he has put together a great historical account of women's football um, there's also um, a woman that owns the toledo rain that has been very integral in kind of solidifying or documenting the history and keeping keeping the history alive um, or, or keeping the collection of materials of the history uh, together and, and alive and current. So there is a plethora of history on women's football. Again, a lot of people don't realize that it's been around for know, 50 years. And we are still struggling, struggling, struggling to get it into the mainstream. And there's a lot of reasons why we are still struggling. And hopefully we can change those struggles or create new opportunities for women's football. We then went into part two where I talked about legitimizing women's football and getting outside organizations and individuals to take women's football seriously because that is the current struggle is that people are hearing about women's football. They're seeing it on television a little bit. They're seeing it in the on the radio and in the news and stuff like that print material, but it's very difficult for them to understand women's football. It's very difficult for them to understand our culture as a the industry of women's football. So I want to share with you guys a couple things. Um, first of all, my, I guess, opinion about how women's football can be and where it can go. Sorry, I'm having to take a drink like every five seconds because my throat hurts so bad, but I'm going to get through this. Women's football can be huge. You know, I talk to people all the time and, you know, walking in, walking in, into somebody or introducing myself to somebody in a restaurant or wherever, um, they're always shocked and surprised if I tell them that I'm with a women's football team or I'm co-owner of a women's football team or, you know, our business is women's football. 
because it's so unique it's it's not everybody does it you know you we've talked before you know when you go to a networking meeting you know there's always somebody that's done insurance and there's somebody that sells this product and sells that product you will rarely walk into a networking meeting anywhere in the country and find another person that is in women's football it's i've never had it happen so it's and when when you talk about it everybody's interests shift i went to a women's uh networking meeting with hundreds of women and we're all it was lunchtime we're all sitting around we all got our lunches the catered lunch and we're sitting around there's like 10 people at our table and um i i tend to be the last one to talk because i know that they're going to get surprised by what i say i do so i tend to let everybody go and there's a chiropractor and um there's a a woman that does like religious spiritual memberships on her website which i think is a brilliant idea there's another woman that does like event planning there's another woman that does like organizing your corporate life like as a as a businesswoman they're like your personal assistant a couple hours a week just making sure that your life is organized which is also another magnificent idea but then they get down and i listen to them and i ask questions and and i'm very engaging learning about them but then when they get down to what i do everybody's head shifts and everybody's asking questions is it lingerie football oh my gosh is it real contact football is nfl rules uh, you know does it N ncaa rule what what is it you know how old are the women like all different questions but i know that once they get intrigued by women's football that that's all that they want to talk about so just that little targeted research that has happened over 50 times tells me that people are interested in women's football it's you know it's it's an interesting topic so I find it challenging or I find it contradictory that the teams in women's football are having such a hard time getting traction or getting sponsorships to buy into women's football when everybody that I talk to is so intrigued by women's football. Now, I'll tell you, out of the 50 times, I've probably had three that have said, nope, not interested. You know, Coach Michael walk up to some girls at the bowling alley and say, hey, have you ever heard of women's football? And they'll be like, nope. Probably because they're intimidated that this man just walked up and tried to give him a business card, right? But for the most part, 99% of the people that we talk about women's football to are amazed. So I think that women's football has a huge opportunity, a huge future ahead of it where women can get paid to play football coaches can take time to learn how to be the best coaches that they can be support staff can turn from volunteers to actually using those skills that they're developing as volunteers as actual 
um, jobs or businesses. You know, my event planning uh, interns and staff members, they want to be event planners in the future or they already are event planners. So they just use this experience as part of their portfolio. You know, I have a, an event planner that she does wet, you know, weddings or birthday parties and, and receptions, but she's never done a sporting event. So this just puts one more notch on her resume of how to do a sporting event. A sporting event is completely different than a wedding. Do we all agree? So people can gain experience and knowledge from being part of women's football and then expand that into the future. So let me talk about real quick, one of the, I guess one of the issues, one of the main issues with women's football and what we need to kind of fix for the future is the culture of women's football. And what I want to explain first why it's important that we work together, right? The 70 teams of the WFA work together to build and create this women's football culture so that when we go out and talk to outside potential players, potential coaches, potential sponsors, that they can go back and look at women's football and get the idea that we have the similar culture, we have a strong organization. Because I'll share with you guys, a lot of people say, oh, I don't care about Team Y over there in, I don't know, Seattle, Washington. I don't care about them because they're not here in, in Dallas. Or, you know, I'm in Albuquerque. What about Maine? Maine, what about Florida? A lot of the teams feel secluded and separate. And we are separate entities. There's no doubt about it. We each are able to do women's football in our own way. However, we are an individual industry and we need to work together as such. So let's talk about first the importance of building this culture of women's football. And then let's see what we can do to make it stronger. Because I envision women's football you know, I, I've talked, I talked to a lot of people about women's football. At one point, uh, the Steelers, you know, my husband loves the Steelers, so I know that they were worth $980 million. And so, you know, I don't know that each team is going to be worth $980 million, but $9 million would be cool. If we could get each women's football team, the 70 teams in the WFA, to each be worth $9 million, I would be ecstatic. Imagine the amount of growth we would be able to have from now until each team being worth $9 million or more, right? It would be amazing. But this requires processes and procedures. It requires building of businesses as opposed to just a recreational club. So there's a lot of things that need to go into it. And I don't feel that women's football is there yet. We are on the verge of being there, but we are not there yet. So I want to make sure that I put my efforts into helping women's football get there. So let's talk about why it's important for us to 
build this culture in women's football. So first of all, building a unified culture is essential to the success of our industry. Now, whether you think this is an, uh, this industry is a recreational club or whatever makes it difficult for the industry to grow if we have some teams that look at it differently. If we can all get on the same page that women's football is a business and each of our teams is a business, then we can start to change that. Because the culture builds the brand identity. Right? So we all need to be focused on the industry or our brand values and goals. If your goals are different than my goals, it makes it difficult to create a unified brand. Another part of the importance of the culture, the culture increases loyalty among employees or among contributors inside and outside. Culture increases loyalty among partners inside and outside. So having a solid culture for women's football, not only, <coughs> excuse me, please. Having the solid culture not only increases loyalty of the players, the coaches, the owners inside of women's football, but it also creates loyalty of the sponsors, the potential fan base of each of the teams. It, it increases their loyalty as well because they know what they're getting. Think about the NFL, for example, right? If the things that were going on in women's football were going on in the NFL, there would be minimal fan base loyalty because they wouldn't know what's going on next. Building this strong culture of women's football also helps to attract and retain talent. So that goes towards players, support staff, and coaches. That's the internal part of it. So the better our culture becomes, the more quality coaches we get, the more quality players we get, the more quality support staff we get in order to build the organization. I hope that makes sense to you guys because everybody talks back and forth on the blogosphere and these forums and stuff about what should be do what should be done to change women's football and why we should have this and why we should have that. But none of it is conducive to the industry. None of it works together with all these other elements. So they're just these they're just ideas or theories that nobody's put to, to the test or they think they can do it better than somebody else. Um, or they wonder why, oh, I've been telling them for years that they should do this, this and this and they wonder why it's not being done. Maybe it's a bad idea. Maybe it shouldn't be done. Um, but in the meantime, everybody's hemming and hollering about why they don't do this. 
We need to make sure that we're building an industry that attracts and retains talent, players, coaches, and support staff. Otherwise, we're just continuing on this hamster wheel, right? We're continuing on this, on this hamster wheel, trying to find um, potential players, potential coaches every year, year after year. Another thing that is important to building a successful culture in women's football is making advocates out of our organizations. So each one of these 70 teams in the WFA needs to be an advocate for the WFA and women's football. Each of these 70 teams should want to be an advocate for women's football. So there's this balance of wanting to be an advocate and needing to be an advocate. And then there's this personal, personal ego part that maybe does or does not want to be part of that. Hold on just a second. So we need to make sure that even if we don't like another team or we don't like another owner or whatever the case is, that that does not impact our wants and our need to be an advocate for women's football, right? So it should not, it should not bother somebody if I share that, I don't know, the Mile High Blaze is doing a community involvement thing this week because I'm proud to be part of the WFA with them and they are doing so much for the community and we're doing so much, right? So I should be able to share something from the LA team and the, the Florida team. It doesn't really matter which team's doing it if we're all working together towards one goal of elevating women's football, right? Okay, so I would say that those are the main, I guess, main things. Um, let me share real quick why this is important. So, so having this strong culture helps to create an invincible industry. Now, women's football, we, we struggle with this because we don't have a guide. We, you know, and I'll be honest with you, the NFL didn't have a guide either, guys. The NFL didn't have a guide on how to do this. They started out just like we started out. Took them several years to get there. It's taken us several years to get here. But you can go into an Amazon, or I guess you can't go into an Amazon. You can go into a Barnes & Noble, or you can get on Amazon.com, and you can find a book that says how to start a restaurant, how to how to start and run a successful restaurant or a food truck or a daycare center. So there are guides out there that 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 put that out there. And we're working on that guide for women's football. However, in the interim or let's those books are simple the reading material, right? So it gives you the steps on how to do it. 
and some of them are right and some of them are wrong. Some people feel, some people follow the wrong steps and are still successful. Some people follow the right steps and are unsuccessful. So the key is not in having a guide. The key is not in what steps somebody tells you to take to be successful. The key is in the action. The key is in the action, right? So let's let's use, for example, <clears throat> let's use tryouts as an example. So in years past, your team or some teams have maybe done three tryouts, right? Three tryouts, that's fine. And they may have amounted to 60 players coming to a tryout. They may have amounted to six players coming to a tryout. I suggest in this year, we've done it, we've really ramped it up. Some teams have done seven to nine tryouts. And the number of players is looking good, I gotta say. I, I'm really happy with that. There's a couple teams that are gonna um, struggle with numbers um, just because of their locale, but People have put in the effort to have higher numbers and it's really going to pay off. But let me explain. The success that we will have in women's football is not because I did nine tryouts or I did eight tryouts, whatever it is, right? The success is going to be the constant activity of continuing to build a great business continuing to cultivate and continuing to have your name out there about women's football because every time you post out there about tryouts more people are seeing that you're doing tryouts so it's not just about the tryout but it's also more people are seeing these posts on social media in years past people were rarely put out their facebook stuff i mean there's some teams that in February, still had stuff up there from September. So one more tryout, one more sponsorship event, one more social media activity. I can't tell you the magic number that is going to get you the right amount of players. Can't tell you that. Besides the fact each year it's going to be different, right? I can't tell you the magic number of how many sponsors you're going to need to talk to to get the number of sponsors you really need to successfully pay for your season, right? You might have to talk to 100 to get 20 sponsors. But if you're constantly in that action of moving forward and I'll just talk to 10 more, I'll just talk to 10 more, I'll just talk to 10 more, eventually you'll get to that sweet number, that sweet spot number of how many you need to talk to to fund all your sponsorship categories or however you do it. So the, the secret in it is the constant activity of continuing to better your women's football team. If you just put one post out there and you have three tryouts, then you've, you've been on the internet three times in the last 90 days, not good. But if you're constantly promoting that and then you go and you shift and you promote to something you're doing in the community and then and then you shift and promote uh, players and then you shift and promote a game coming up 
you are constantly in the eye. You're constantly on social media. You're constantly out there where potential players, coaches, support staff, fans, and sponsors are looking for things to do. So I hope that this has explained the importance of us building a strong culture in women's football as an industry and getting all 70 of our teams on the same page because women's football can be huge. I mean, we, we've, we're we just now hitting the tip of the iceberg with some of the things that teams are doing, but there's so much more. I mean, even if you were just a brainstorm with the NFL, we're talking the merchandise. Okay, right now, most teams are doing like four or five different things for merchandise. NFL, ha I mean, you can get a beanie hat and you can get the things that go in the car underneath your feet. What are those? The rugs, whatever those plastic rugs are. I mean, you can get headbands, you can get earmuffs, you can get baby bibs, uh, baby onesies, blankets, pillows, a whole bed set. I mean, there's so many potential opportunities with women's football. That's just merchandise. We just, I just, I just hit on merchandise. Now we have um, somebody doing trading cards. They put out, you know, the 10, I guess it's 10 uh, trading cards for 2018 or whatever. Um, what a, what an amazing potential to do trading cards. There's women getting paid to play anywhere from 50 bucks to 50,000. I mean, it's, it's exponential how much women's football can grow if we all work together towards building this positive culture in women's football. So let's talk about how we can do this, okay? Let's talk about how we can build this strong culture. We need to start with a purpose. And like I said before, right now, women's football, we all have different purposes. There's this comment that constantly goes out. It just irks me. There's this comment that goes out on the women's football that we're all here for the same reason. And I know you guys have heard it. We're all here for the same. Why don't we all get along? We're all here for the same reason. We're not. We are not here for the same reason. Because my reason is different from hers. I guarantee it. And your reason is different from mine. So we all need to start out with a purpose. Our reasons may be different, but our purpose needs to be the same. Okay? You want to make sure that... <coughs> Excuse me. In order to create the purpose, we need to understand why we are operating, what or who your business serves, and what the final goal is, okay? That is for us to start with a common purpose. We also, in women's football, need to have a common, I don't know, set of standards, which, you know, the the WFA as a, a league is is doing. We, we have common, like, rules, right? 
for play, but we don't have this common way of doing things. And I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to work on getting some resources out to teams so that they can do things in similar fashions um, and hopefully become successful with it. Creating values within our league of what we will put up with, what we won't put up with. And I think the WFA is, is doing that. Um, it's, you know, trying to get rid of the negativity, concentrate on the positivity, and really help to em, uh, embrace the new idea of empowering women in America. So I think that we've um, taken strides to doing this, but we still have a ways to go. We need to lead by example. So our football team owners and our football team leaders need to show throughout the WFA that we are working together, that we are united, that we um, do have a similar purpose in our organizations. We need to identify our ambassadors. So a lot of people don't realize that, you know, if they call on the Dallas Elite, for example, who are they supposed to talk to? Is there a marketing person they talk to for media or is it somebody else that they talk to? So we have it listed out on our website, who does what, so that people can easily know who to contact. Now we still have uh, people that don't contact the right person and we will easily get them siphoned to the right person, but it's important to identify who the ambassadors are for women's football or for your team. That way, um, the outside people looking in can identify and know who those people are to be able to communicate with them. Another thing that helps to build a strong organization in general is uh, truthfulness and the ability to communicate. Um, This is important as we're building this idea of women's football and this industry of positivity. A lot of people are so interested in hiding things under the rug and, and uh, being quiet about certain things. It's very important important that everybody know what's going on in women's football so that those that those issues can be addressed. Because if we just sweep things under the rug, they never get fixed. Right? They, they, we're never going to get to the point where um, we can have a transparent industry throughout the, the nation. So it's very important that there be open communication, a lot of communication from the teams to the outside uh, potential players, potential coaches, potential fan base of what's going on in women's football because um, we have a very smart very loyal set of fans or a fan base in women's football. Now it can grow in the in the past five years or so. It has not really been growing. It's actually been decreasing, um, and you can see that from the number of player number of people in the stands. But it requires treating the people right, letting them know how women's football is, letting them know what the obstacles and and uh, issues are in women's football and addressing those openly and getting them fixed. 
because that open communication is really going to be our key to success. <coughs> Excuse me. So I envision women's football in the next five years to be very successful. I feel that we can get a large percentage of women football players paid to play. I feel that we can increase sponsorship revenues and fan base. Um, our, our goal, you know, we set up goals each year as your teams should. Um, and I don't know if it, if the people listening are part of that goal setting when it comes to your football team, but each year your team should set a goal. You know, they should know how many people were in the stands last year and what percentage they want to change that by. So if you had 200 people in the stands and you want 400 people in the stands, that's your goal. 400 people in the stands every game. But then you need to create a plan and then create action that gets your plan working as to how you're going to get those 400 people in the stands. Um, I really hope that many of the teams have a goal of doubling their their number of fans in the stand this year. Um, you know, we have a lot of eyes on us here in women's football. You know, we have the, the Adidas and Nike and Under Armour and the NFL looking. And, you know, it's very important for them to know the true numbers the and and for people to be honest with them and so that they can be realistic in what they can do for women's football and what women's football can do for the NFL. But many of the teams that they're looking at have never played before. Many of the teams are new. They don't have a fan base. Nobody knows if they're going to have two people in the stands or 25 or a hundred, but we need to continually cultivate this building of an organization, even though we're in different, all 70 different organizations, the industry is kind of a quasi organization in itself. They don't have any responsibilities to teach us how to do our job or how to run a business. Um, but underneath that quasi organization, we all need to learn to work together um, because my success is dependent on your success and your success is dependent on her success. So I really appreciate you guys um, listening to the show. Like I said, this is the, the third part in this series. We talked about the history of women's football and the struggles. Then we talked about what we need to do to legitimize women's football and get people to take it seriously. And we're on this cusp of really getting over this big hurdle. But in the meantime, outside organizations are getting a mixed message or a confused message about women's football. So when those people do their due diligence and they're interested in, do, in sponsoring women's football, what they need to be able to get their questions answered. How many people are in the stands? Oh, 200 to 250 people then it's not worth their time to give you sponsorship money 
They're not going to give you $25,000 in sponsorship money if you tell them that you have 200 people in the stands. Once you get 1,000 people in the stands or 2,000 people in the stands, then they will start to look at us and take us seriously. So women's football right now, we are still in a building stage, right? So earlier in the year, I had you guys kind of write down some goals. You guys should have some goals that have to do with your player numbers, right? Because that's what we were talking about, really increasing those numbers, making sure that there's no forfeits. That's what builds our solid base, our solid foundation in women's football, is making sure we're having all of our football games, right? And then we can expand that to other goals, money-making goals or monetary goals or goals that have numeric value. So numeric value being we will not forfeit a single game out of our eight regular season games. We will play all eight. That's a numeric value. It doesn't have a monetary value, but it has a numeric value. Um, another thing would be I want to have 55 girls on my roster come April 1st, 2019. Those are specific goals that you guys can implement now to building this culture of a strong organization. Add to those goals some financial goals that will help make your each of your organizations successful. I want to increase our attendance by 100%. Last year it was 200 per game. Now it's going to be 400 per game. By, by taking these steps in each area of your business, you will grow your business exponentially and you will see positive impact on several areas at a time, as opposed to just focusing on tryouts, 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 and then we get our 50 players. Well, oh goodness, we never did anything to um, work on merchandise or nothing in concession stands. So it's a constant perfecting. It's a constant getting better at everything when you don't have this guide in women's football. But I think together we can build a great culture for women's football and with communication and honesty and connection between the teams, we can really show the world how successful women's football can be. And with that will come this huge success. And I, I really believe, like I said before, and I'll say it again, I really believe that in the next five years, we will have huge success in women's football. But it takes all of us working together. And uh, I'm really happy that you guys are listening to the show and taking the time to better your organizations. I hope that it's having a positive impact on you and the, the financial situation of your team, as well as the players and the coaches and the staff um, to be able to create this positive vibe within your organization. It just, it makes such a difference. I'm going to let you guys go for today. I really appreciate your time and your efforts in women's football. Women's football is uh, is going to be very successful, and I know that we can do that together. If you guys have any questions or issues um, or things you want to talk about, feel free to reach out to email, my phone, Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, whatever. You guys have a great week. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Thank you on a